I guess that's one way of describing last week's playoff game, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what's worse, that one or this one? <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot in the shower. Uh, that was in reference to Des Bryant. But he was asked a Des Bryant question. It was, I've been thinking about it a lot in the shower. How do you think that made Des Bryant feel? I have been. <laughs> Probably freaked out. Why do, you, why do you not think he's in the league anymore, huh? We, we thought it was just performance-based, but ever since Jerry said he's thinking about him in the shower, he's, he's been out. Maybe it was performance-based. Now, wow. oh, I, you know hey. what I mean. Yeah, yeah that, and that's the problem. No, I mean that, I mean that in a very clean way. It's a family show. I just don't know why you have to say where you've been thinking about it, especially— You don't have to. Right. <laughs> that's my favorite team, buddy. Uh, I've been thinking about it when I'm taking a dump. And <laughs> <laughs> I, that was definitely happening. He didn't say that part, you know? Oh, uh, that's gosh. great. Uh, did you see Travis Dyes going to USC? I did. And what do you make of that? Uh, I, I, actually, I actually think USC got a pretty good little player, man. And maybe I'm biased because, you know, he's out there running around with no uh, gloves on or anything, which I think is pretty amazing. That's hashtag tough guy right there. It's pretty B.A. whenever you think about it. Yeah, I made the joke last hour, though, that have fun, Travis Dye. You're going to rip off a 42-yard run and then not see the ball again for two possessions. That's that's how that'll work (laughs) for you out at USC. Uh, First down carries for Travis Dye next year, zero. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe um, maybe Travis Dye really likes kettlebell workouts, and he decided he wanted to go to USC and participate in those. You're telling me uh, off-season workouts in Oregon have been too difficult? Yeah. Let's yeah find probably it. so. He's like, ooh, Dan Lanning's workouts uh, coming out of the SEC in Georgia. I don't know. I'd rather have a 60-minute workout video every single day instead. They did have Mustache Guy out there for a while. Who he was is, he was there last season. I don't know yeah, if they retained him or I, they not. They did though. not. Um I don't remember where he went, but I remember seeing like a post come across about how he was leaving. Maybe he went to Miami uh with Cristobal. But I don't know. Uh I I he saw he's that he's not gonna be good for that mustache, man. I don't know how that's gonna work out. And that is an interesting point. Um that that was a well, it was a southeast uh, mustache, but I guess it worked in the Pacific Northwest. We'll see uh, in South Beach, but I don't know. I thought that was uh, a nice get for Southern Cal. I didn't have really any idea of where he was going to go, where he might end up. Um, I didn't think Oklahoma was was in the running there at all. You know, we've we've. I think running back is a spot that we pursued a couple of the the higher end type of guys, and um, you know for one reason or another weren't the top spot there. Which I do think that Oklahoma has. We've got some things to prove, in my opinion, in the running back room as far as 
making this a destination once again. Yeah, um, it's a conversation we've had before, mm-hmm. and you know, the past six years it's been running back by committee almost. Who's got the hot hand? And in some cases, that makes a whole lot of sense. But yeah, they they don't. You don't go into a week in week out basis normally saying, "All right, here's their dude." Right? right, like th- this is their this is their bell cow. This is their dude. Like they'll they'll spell him from time to time, but o- OU's sub subbing guys in quite a bit. Yeah, I mean that's how you get guys that are first round draft picks, second round draft picks. Is you you get someone legit back there and you hand him the football. Yeah. So I- I'm wondering if that mentality of how they've used running backs is going to change at all. Well, here's the interesting thing. You know, a lot of people say that the way Oklahoma handles their running backs is is the best way to i guess the overwhelming uh, feedback that I've been given because I've said that I I think Oklahoma's multiple back approach it never lets one guy shine and never lets him really climb the the draft board so to speak put up statistics that start to draw people's attention. And the pushback that I've always gotten on that is players don't want that more than anything. They want lack of – they don't want the mileage to build up, right? And I get that, but there's got to be a – there's got to be some type of – there's got to be like a a sweet spot to where you carry the football enough – to to get some good stats to to have people notice you to be one of the leading rushers in the country, I'm not saying they have to grind you into the ground with 35 carries a game or something like that. But I think like the the mileage aspect because everyone talking about how running backs are treated in the NFL now, and it's like the it becomes a negative uh, the more more carries you've had. I think that has been way overblown. I 100%. I don't like a big-time running back that's out there that's saying, okay, well, I only want to get about 12 carries a game for about three years. I just I, I, I refuse to believe that that's reality. I think a, a legit guy that you want to have on your campus, he wants to be the dude. He wants to be getting the rock down in and down out. Because, man, it's so much easier to kind of fall into a flow of the game when you are constantly getting the football instead of once every you know six or seven plays or something like that. That's right. I mean, getting in a flow as a running back is is a real deal, man. It's it's definitely a real deal. So I, I'm I'm with you. I tend to think that that gets way overblown. That guys don't want to. Guys don't want a ton of miles going to the NFL for sure, but it doesn't mean that they only want 12 carries a game. I don't I don't think that's a real deal. Yeah, there's got to be there's got to be a sweet spot there, um, and and I don't honestly I don't know where it is. It, I I think that at the end of the day, I think NFL teams want productive backs that can be physical, have some moves in the open field, can be re- relied upon in pass protection. Can catch the football out of the backfield. Ah, there we go. Okay, and if you can that. do all of those things and you do it at a high level, I think you've got a good chance, um, you know, to get drafted. I think the mileage thing only becomes an issue, at least in my opinion, if it's a, if it's a situation where you've been banged up. You've got a couple of different injuries and 
Maybe some of them have, have been major. You've had surgery, something like that. And, you know, I could be proven wrong pretty quickly. You know, people may say, well, that's not the case. This is this is where those guys get drafted. But I don't know. Who's the number one back in, in this year's draft? I'm trying to find it right now for the mock drafts. And well, wh- While you're looking for that, man, like not just the approach with running backs, but I'm hoping the approach to the entire running game changes, you know? Because, yes, they had a physical offensive line when Orlando Brown was here and Ben Powers and that whole group for sure. But it's been a few years since we've seen just a, dude, a physical at the point of the uh, of the attack run game, right? Yeah. It's It's been like kind of finesse, getting to the outside, all that. Dude, I want to see a running game. And my God, I cannot believe that I'm saying this. I want to see a running game that more resembles what Baylor had this past season. I can't believe that I'm saying that I want anything that Baylor's had. But the difference in styles between Baylor's running game this past year and OU's mm-hmm. running game was night and day. OU in the fourth quarter, they should be physically mauling teams late in the game with their run game. That should be the bread and butter late in the game is, dude, a team is worn down and we're going to physically beat them up in the final ten minutes. Baylor did that. Baylor did that to OU when they played in Waco. That's right. I want to see a running game like that moving forward. That's what I want to see. That's right. Um, you know, I'm just looking at it right here. Probably Kenneth Walker. He's number two. Number one is the uh, Spiller kid out of A&M. Uh, yeah, that's the type of running back I want. That dude is downhill, physical, let's go. Number three is Brees Hall. All of these guys... I don't know how many Spiller had, but I know Walker had a ton of carries, and I know Brees Hall had a ton of carries. Brees Hall was the number one rusher in the Big 12 as far as attempts by, I think it was a massive margin. I could be wrong on that, but there was at least a point during the season where he was he was number one. So all, those guys have miles. I think that's overblown. Um, I'm curious to see how Lebby approaches it. And if I remember right, I feel like he kind of did have a three-back system at at Ole Miss. Now, I think, and that's just looking at the stats, because I do think that they had they had some injury issues, I think, and then had to kind of move some different guys into, into different roles or like elevate their role a little bit. And I think that's why it all ends up being really balanced out. Yeah, cuz they had they had three guys that were above 130 carries a piece and they had four well, that's Matt Corral. They had they had two guys that had 130 carries a piece, both of them over 650 yards and then another guy Parrish um I had 100 carries for 553, but I think it was pretty balanced there. Which I'm not saying that you have to have one guy and one guy only. I think everyone has a rotation of backs, but um, I don't know. I'm the point is, I don't think Oklahoma right now is is looked at as a top destination for backs if no. you're wanting to go to the NFL, which is really odd because we've got an incredible history of running backs here. Oh, I mean, if you want to do like running back, you and look at the past what, 70 years? 
who's done it better than Oklahoma at the running back position? SC's had some great running backs. There's no doubt about it. You don't even have to go that far back, though. Bama recently has had but, – but the point is, is I think OU's you know, running back history might be unmatched. I mean, it, it's, been, it's been that good. Well, in the last – you know, 15 years, you've had Adrian Peterson, DeMarco Murray, Joe Mixon, uh, Samaj Perrine. Um, you know, so you even Roy Finch. <laughs> Roy Finch. Uh, I did leave out Q Zoo, Quentin Griffin in there, but I'm talking mainly about guys that are just strictly looking towards the NFL, you know. But I'll tell you, man, hey, Kennedy Brooks is I'm interested to see kind of what the NFL thinks of him because his his yards per carry you just can't even it's he's done an amazing job. He is never incredibly, fumbled a rock either. Yeah, incredibly productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back back to the whole running game thing. There was a graphic on uh, our Twitter page today. We had a couple of them up. Um when you think of the most underrated sooner, wh- who's the first name that comes to mind? And Alan Patrick was in the graphic, along with uh, Malcolm Kelly and Antonio Perkins. That's my pick, man. And if I have, like, an idea of what the running game looks like moving forward, dude, you want to talk about violent, like a a running game that you look at and say, oh, buddy, that is violent right there. It is Alan Patrick lined up in the backfield running straight downhill at somebody, man. That was a violent running attack. And I hope that that is what the OU offense kind of starts resembling here. I yeah. am interested to see how how involved the quarterbacks are going to be in the run game because Matt Corral was extremely involved in the run game last year with Jeff Levy at Ole Miss. I think they want them involved. I don't know that they want their quarterback trying to run over everyone on the on the field like Matt Corral. But, you know, guys that play like that, you can't really ever turn it off. Baker was the same way, right? You would try to, and Lincoln even joked about it uh, after Baker was gone about, you know, trying and failing at getting Baker to avoid contact whenever he would take off running. But you want guys that want to compete like that, and and I'll are, take that any. I'll take that risk any day, man. Any I day. know it's. We all said we'll take that risk until our quarterbacks hurt all season. Like what really ended up stunning Ole Miss, you know, with with Corral going out. So. I think they'll be heavily involved, but I think they'll they'll probably be trying to keep them from from getting hurt, if at all possible. Yeah. But it's it's a that's a dangerous road to go down because we saw that unfold with Heupel as offensive coordinator, where he had a guy in which I think this is one of the important aspects of of whether or not we get Dart. Whenever you've got a backup that you believe in you're you're not necessarily going to temper what your quarterback does in the running game no doubt and you just you got to remember back to Heupel was so deathly afraid of of having to go to a backup quarterback that you know he he didn't really let Trevor Knight go into the running game a bunch of called running game stuff which was one of his better uh, better aspects. Oh, so. was, was that the excuse? Because I remember Blake Bell getting in uh, in 2014 and not yeah. running him. What, 2013, 2014, and him not running very much either. So, Yeah. It was 2013. So, ho- hopefully that was his excuse. But, dang, he did not run the quarterbacks like he should have back then. Yeah, well, I think he has since. Uh, 
he had a good one this year, and Hooker's coming back. That's big for them. But, yeah, man, uh, all of that to say Travis out of USC, that's a pretty good get for, for Southern Cal. And I don't know if something like that has any influence over where any other players go. You got to kind of feel like maybe it does if you if it looks like a place you're interested in is stockpiling some good talent that could help you on that side of the ball, then it's a possibility. All right, hit us on the text line, 651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Hour number one rolls on next. Football Friday on the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, keep it coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 651-3439. And a very happy Ozark Day to all of you out there. Happy Ozark Day, Teddy. What is that? Season 5? Uh, is it season 4 or 5? Whatever season it is, it's out today. Let's go! I think it's already out, actually. I has it, wait. Now, has it been a long time since they've had a season come out? I feel like two years, man. Okay, that's so the, maybe it is season 4. I watched the last season during the height of COVID-19. I think that's whenever I started it. I watched season 1, season 2. I feel like I started season 3, and... I got really annoyed because I felt like it was kind of the same thing happening over and over again, a bunch of stupid mistakes, and I it, I was getting frustrated it with is, it. Yeah, it's one of those shows that I, I think Ozark is, is great. It's not my favorite show ever, but I think it's really great. But it is annoying. Like Just when they solve one problem, you're like, right. ah, okay. And then the cartel comes in and kills half the town or something like that. And you're like, oh, God, here comes the cartel. i got to deal with that. I... You know, and, and I, I get that you've got to continue to push a storyline and have people interested in what goes down. I, I'm i kind of interested to see a a storyline where there's just a, a an absurd amount of success, <laughs> right? There is no wrench in the system. The money just flows in. Good times are happening, and you just get away with it. And then it. everyone's mad about it on social media. This yeah. show sucks. <laughs> too, right. too much success and happiness on here. Yeah. It's awful. I got a lot going on right now uh, with TV watching. It Season 2 of Yellowstone right now. I'm trying to catch up with that. Dude, we've been staying up till like 11.30 midnight this whole week. Oh, just man. Just binge-watching episodes. Wow. 11.30? Dude, Jeez. I've been dragging around here this week, okay? I got Yellowstone, 1880-whatever-it-is, uh, the prequel to that, I guess. I found that out last night. Now Ozark in the mix? Dude, hey, I don't have enough time. Just please watch Old Henry. You will love it. I'll try to fit it in somewhere. It fits in the genre that you're really... You know, locked into gotta, right Got to finish Shameless. You How should, is Tim McGraw doing in 1883? I don't know. I haven't. I'm oh, not, you haven't started I'm not going to start okay. it until we're done with Yellowstone. 
Gotcha. One thing at a time. Yeah. Smart. Still trying to finish Shameless, too, which Shameless is a show for you, buddy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Shameless is a show for you. That's great. Oh, man. Yeah, we got the NFL playoffs coming up this weekend for sure. We got a big basketball game tomorrow. Um, but I, I love that every single day OU's hiring a new assistant coach, Jay Nunez, hired from Eastern Michigan. You know anything about this guy? No. Special teams back – or going to have a special teams background here. That's good. Um I like that we're going to dedicate someone to special teams, um, have an influence on it. As long as the influence isn't after a season of doing analytical uh, research, we've decided to fair catch everything. (laughs) Yeah, what if this guy is just hired and he's like, yeah, I like what they've been doing around here. Fair catch at the 15-yard line? That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. I, I... I don't know. I'll be fascinated to see how that goes. Now, the game has changed, all right? The game has changed. Admittedly, the game has changed. But Brent Venables comes from the Kansas State background originally as a player. That's where he cut his teeth as a coach. Um, And then with with Bob Stoops early in the tenure at, at Oklahoma, I think there was, I think there was a lot of Kansas State um, influence on kind of how special teams were handled and elevated, and all starters were on special teams. Now things have obviously changed since then, but I'm I'm really interested to see where Coach Venables ends up falling, kind of on the special teams spectrum. Yep. Text line, could you guys please explain what an off-the-field coaching position is? Thanks. Yeah, so I don't know the exact rules, but I do know that you can only have a certain amount of um, on-field coaches, which are your typical uh, position assistants. 14 on-field, I think, is the number that's popping into my head. You can have 14 on-field coaches. That means you can be in drills, you can be in meetings with players, you can um, be out there and give live you know, on-field coaching advice. If you are designated as an off-field coach, uh, analyst, However, that whatever term they give you, you cannot sit in meetings with the players and cannot be on the field actively coaching players. So it is when it's an off-field role, it is strictly supposed to be an off-field role. Remember, it was was it Nebraska that got in trouble for having an off-field coach doing special teams drills? Yeah, that sounds right. I think yeah. that's whenever they were trying to sabotage um frost right whenever that all that stuff was going down so um yeah i i i just i don't know the exact numbers that you can have but if you're designated in off field you cannot actively coach the players the I, I and i don't know how limited it is but you can't sit in meetings you can't you can't give any coaching advice at all in a formal setting. Yeah, I, maybe that goes on at the, some places, you know, but mm-hmm. 
dims the rules normally. Right. Uh, by the, yeah, they're adding a lot of off the field positions, but um, the best to ever do it, unfortunately, is out of the program. Uh, Bob Diaco. Too bad that you can't get him back Ooh. in an off the field role. You know. Uh, Does anyone? What's What's old Diaco up to these uh, days? I don't know. A quick uh, internet search, I'm sure, could tell yeah. you. I want OU to run the ball like North Dakota State. There's something that you probably never thought you'd hear. Yeah, I don't know much about uh, NDSU's running game. How is Kennedy Brooks not legit? Over 1,000 yards each season, about 6.5 yards per carry, ninth all-time in rushing yards. I don't think anything's wrong with him. Um, I don't know. We'll see what the NFL evaluators see. Whenever they see him running the football, they're going to see a guy that's incredibly productive. But outside of that, I don't know what like the big knock is going to be. Right, what are they going to say? Yeah, he can't do this or can't do that. I would say just without like putting the film on and, and really deeply evaluating it, I'd say he's um, – an average uh, pass protector, and I'd say he probably, and maybe it's just lack of use, but uh, if they're going to sit there and really scrutinize it, they'd probably say he's going to be a below average out of the backfield guy. Yeah, like what does he do that really wows you? Like his numbers wow you, right? There, yeah. There's no doubt about that, but if you just look at him from a, like if he goes to the combine, I don't think any of his numbers would be towards the top. You know, he would seem like just kind of a guy yeah. in that. But if you watch, if you watch the film and, and watch see the productivity that he had, um, yeah, there's there's something there for sure. I'm excited to see Marcus Major. He's a powerful, physical runner with great vision and speed. Gavin Salchuk runs the same way. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Um, you know, the Marcus Major thing is interesting. Here's a guy that came in, has all the tools, physical. I remember whenever he was a true freshman, that first training camp, he was the buzz, right? There was a lot of talk about how good he looked. And for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's like a like a dependability, like you can't trust him to, to be able to know his responsibility and, and maybe blocking schemes and I don't know what it is, but he's had a very difficult time breaking through and getting opportunities. This it's, is his year. It has to be his year, man. Yeah. You know, it really has to be his year. He has to be one of those guys, if, if he wants to have a, a big-time college career, and he has the opportunity, new coaching staff. Th- dude, this is probably the best situation for him. Brand-new coaching staff, new strength coach, kind of a, a, a new chance to really impress these guys and have a position to get on the field. Right. He could have had a great offseason, you know, even if Lincoln stayed around, but you know how it is, man. Once the coaching staff thinks a certain way about you, it's hard to really change their opinion about things. He's got a chance now to kind of rewrite his career a little bit, and let's hope that he takes advantage of it. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I think he's, you know, physically just incredibly gifted, strong. I mean, he's just got a, an unbelievable build to him. He's explosive. He's fast. He's got all of those, all of those you know, traits that you want in a running back. But 
something just has not clicked and a new opportunity, a fresh opportunity like you're talking about could be the guy. Yeah. You know, because that's the one thing about this system is it is, and this is a positive. It's incredibly simple, right? When you want to operate really fast and efficiently, You've got to make it as simple for the players as possible, so that that could help things. few more, uh, and let's get to both of them, or all three of them, really quickly. Which position group will benefit the most from Schmitty? I'll take offensive line. Offensive line, defensive line, and backer? Well, those are the two that you mentioned. I mean, offensive line and defensive line, yeah, that, those are one and two for sure. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say backer. I, anything where strength and speed and explosiveness is at a premium. <laughs> Kennedy Brooks reminds me of Emmett Smith. This one says Kennedy Brooks is the Landry Jones of running backs. So we've got a uh, two comparisons for Kennedy Brooks here. One is Landry Jones, the other is Emmett Smith. And One I, is Landry I, Jones, the other is the NFL's all-time leading rusher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that you're meaning that he is underappreciated and you think that Landry Jones is underappreciated. Yeah. And in that sense, I, I see where you're getting at, and I, I, I think that you're probably dead on with that. Yeah. But I don't – I think Kennedy Brooks, I'll agree, is and has been maybe underappreciated. But Landry Jones, uh, saying Landry Jones is underappreciated is like the understatement of the year. Uh, He wasn't underappreciated. He was despised by the fan base for a couple of years there. Yeah. And really unfairly. At least in my opinion, others may may see it differently. It's still a great way to get uh, a group of OU fans to argue with one another. A lot of times, yeah. all you have to say is, Landry Jones, go, and then a fight breaks out, you know, and everyone's divided. Uh, Lane in California, our buddy out there on the West Coast, whatever you do, Coach Nunez, keep Trevon West on special teams. He was a stud in coverage last year. Yeah. Uh, I thought – Thought Stutzman had a good year on special teams. Meade was always a good player on special teams. Um, yeah, I there's, and that's always been the frustration, right? We've talked about it a ton on this show. Is especially whenever we're playing in conference, maybe every game of the year except for maybe two, at most, we have the best roster, right? We. I remember Coach Stoops talking about, remember the 08 offense. If, if we can put the ball in our offense's hands 10 or 15 more times a game by going up tempo, I, we're going to do that to take, take advantage of how talented that group is, how more talented they are than the defense, right? It's no different on special teams. I, you, have to, you have to have X amount of special teams plays in a game. And they don't have to be throwaways. They can be a great opportunity to use your talent advantage over other teams. Yeah, and, and I and you kind of said in passing earlier. I wonder how what Brent Venables' approach is going to be to special teams. 
obviously he'll care about it. But what you're asking is how much really will it be emphasized, how much will be used. Man, I, I, I tend to think it's going to be a big deal around here. Because let's think back to his years at Kansas State. Well, like, who were some of the most memorable players of that run at Kansas State? Well, outside of Michael Bishop, the quarterback, probably the Lockets, right? Lockets, and what you remember most about Newman. the Lockets is, yeah, Terrence Newman right there. Yeah, special teams. Uh, OU, when he got to OU, Antonio Perkins, what they were doing in the special teams game. I think a lot of what you are as a coach is what you were influenced by. And his first two stops, man, special teams were a huge part of things early on. Right. So I got to think it's going to be a, a really – Really big emphasis for this program moving forward, and I, I hope that it is. I don't remember what, how how good they were at special teams at Clemson. Um, the rules changed so much. Maybe it's not a fair way to look at things. I don't know. And he was the the defensive coordinator there, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be a big deal around right. here. I wonder how much of it has, how much the transfer portal has affected special teams. And what I mean by that is. I always talk about the 2001 punt team, right? I bring it up all the time. The punt team had myself, Rocky Kalmus, Brandon Moore, Roy Williams, Trent Smith, Andre Wolfolk. Um, That's an expensive uh, punt team right there in the <laughs> NFL. Dang, dude. Right. And I wonder I how, how many uh, – do you are you forced to put guys that aren't starters on special teams now to keep them engaged in to where they do, they're not saying I'm not even playing I'm not even a part of the team I'm transferring you know what I'm saying yeah, I, I totally agree like, with is that, that yeah, is maybe. that something that they have to deal with I don't know all right quick timeout more from the rush coming up hour number one rolls on keep the text line buzzing six five one three four three nine. We are the home of Sooner fans. It is the ref, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, Air Cover Solutions, text line 651-3439. This hour brought to you by the Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers. Uh, I have, we have found out this offseason, we are not a patient fan base, buddy. Hmm. Oh, boy. I feel like a lot of people are starting to get uh, annoyed at Jackson Dart because his decision is taking so long. Uh, not a whole lot of happy people out there right now. All I can say is this. Um, respect my decision. My recruitment is 100% open at this time. It is definitely 100% open. Right. At least open between OU, Ole Miss, and BYU. I, I don't know. Last week it was just OU and Ole Miss. Maybe uh, some random school like uh, UCLA gets involved next week. Who knows, man? I really don't care. But wh what do you think, honestly, is taking so long? I think BYU is probably really in this thing. Uh, I, I don't believe that he's waiting for a certain other quarterback to make his decision before he makes his, but... I've heard people theorizing that. I don't understand that. Why would he wait? Well, the thought is, is well, if Caleb goes to UCLA, then he's just going to hop out of the portal and go back to USC. 
I don't think that's accurate. No, I don't. No, I don't think so. That's what I'm saying. I don't think so either. I, I guess maybe it is. Maybe it is, but, and I don't have any information. But you know, talking to people that do, it sounds like the Dart family was not happy at all with the way the US thing, USC thing went down. So what do you like the the mule shoe thing or yeah. like the the hiring was kept under such wrap like what, no, what were they upset about? I think I think like what he was being told from the staff and what the staff was doing otherwise were were not the same and like that's why he originally uh, went into the transfer pool. So he like he was being told like, "No, nah, you're you're our guy. Don't worry about it." And then he found out probably secondhand that no, nah, they're pursuing Caleb Williams pretty hard. They're trying to put together yeah. like these these NIL packages or whatever to bring Caleb Williams in. And I think they were upset about that, which I totally I, get that. I get man. that. So and maybe maybe it's not something that they're so upset about that they sever that tie 100% and yeah, maybe he is waiting, but I don't I don't take Jackson Dart with his ability and who he's being courted with to be a guy that I'm okay being the second spot. I want to wait and see if I can be their second choice at quarterback. You want to go somewhere where someone's telling you straight up like what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like it if you're BYU you're you're our guy. If you're Ole Miss, you're our guy. If you're Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel's here. You come in and compete. If you don't win that spot, you're the guy. You're next up. Like as long as you're straight up and and lay out what the situation honestly is, then I think to me that that would make no, sense. I, I'm good with that for sure. It's you know some guys enter in the portal and you're saying okay, well. You know, he's maybe just looking at his options. There's a real chance here that he ends up coming back. There's some guys that enter in the portal, and you're like, yeah, there's there's no chance. When Latrell McCutcheon entered in the portal in his statement, it was, yeah, there's no chance that this right. dude is coming back. And I think Jackson Dart is the same way. Is they were told one thing, and it's like, yeah, we don't want to be we don't want to be a part of this. Sorry, we're moving on and going somewhere else. It does not sound like USC is really in the mix at all for him, but. On the other side of that, you uh, I, you have to know that Lincoln Riley, like as, as much as people around here are upset with him, over it, we're moving on, we're better now, and I get all of that, but we still have to give, you have to admit that He's he's calculated. He's really smart. Uh, he knows how to play this kind of game with quarterbacks. So I imagine he's still in one shape or form recruiting Jackson Dart and and still trying to keep that connection and you know and yeah. and and still trying to keep USC in a position to to be able to to keep him, but. Like, usually whenever you're burned right away on someone's first 
like really interaction with you, then you're typically not going to go back I, to that. I point. will admit that Muleshoe is smart, but that also might be his biggest downfall if he knows that he's smart. Uh, there's a decent chance that he overplayed his hand here because he thinks he is so smart. What you're saying, saying is, why does he assume he's the smartest in the room? I think he does. Okay. His play calling tells me that he assumes that every single Saturday. All right. Oh, you guys, you guys just don't know what goes on in these walls. You guys, I mean, to the simple football fan, you just, it just, you just can't understand it. Right. Okay. All right. I don't know. I, I think, I think Oklahoma still is in a great position for Jackson Dart. I don't think BYU is, and I know there's a bunch of people that are leaning real heavy to that side, and I've got no inside information, but I still feel really good about where Oklahoma sits with Dart. Really good. 69% chance that he's coming here. Uh, 69% chance that he's at the Ranch Steakhouse this weekend? You want to throw that out there? A surprise ranch visit? Mm. He's from Utah. Is Chili's like below? I feel like Chili's could be one of the nicer establishments out there in Utah. Texas Roadhouse? Texas Roadhouse. That's good eating. Yeah, that's where yeah. everyone goes for their birthday. That's right. Which I can't knock that because <laughs> about two years ago, I was there for my birthday. <laughs> All right, quick time out. More from The Rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number one next. Short segment as we close up hour number one. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number one of the rush. In case you didn't hear, Ethan Shagwa, according to Porter Mosier, is out tomorrow. Uh, Porter also anticipates C.J. Nolan being out as well. Mm. Big basketball game would be the biggest win of the year. Baylor kind of scuffling right now. How are you feeling about things? Um, they've lost three straight. So I can't say, and they're about to go against the defending national champion. Um, I can't say that I feel great about it. But I've seen this team play really good basketball in stretches. And we've seen Baylor kind of start to uh, show some real cracks in the facade as well themselves. So we got a shot. But I think Baylor, 69% chance of winning. Good crowd tomorrow? Yeah. I hope so. I'm trying to get to the game myself, so. No, I think so. Should it, See uh, good quality basketball. I think, think people will be out there on Saturday. All right, quick timeout. Hour number two, The Rush, coming up next.